Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Thursday afternoon. Joining us from New York City, Tim Bonteps. Hello, fellas. And in Dallas, Texas. Just traveled in from somewhere. I let him back into Texas. It's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. We're not, uh, well, I was going to make a joke, but it's going to end up probably being inappropriate. So, howdy, partners. <laughs> You're in Dallas. Uh, the Bucks are coming to town. Yes, sir. For an ESPN game on Sunday night. Mavericks Friday had night. a good win. Or, or Friday night. God, God that is so We're bad. off to a roaring start. It's so bad. You know what? I'm feeling my age lately because I am making more and more mistakes like that. Well, I'm Man, we know Brian. We know Brian struggles with times, McMahon, but getting Listen, days, days is another level. I'll say this. Days during the NBA season, as you guys know, it's game day, travel day, whatever. So I'm not going to give him too hard a time. I it's, not like he, it's not like he missed on his own age by four years like one <laughs> bozo did on the hit show, Howdy Partners. Yeah. Find it well, on YouTube. I used to try to push back on that I wouldn't screw up the time because – I live in central time zone, but I operate all times in the Eastern time zone. And occasionally I make mistakes, but I've been making a lot of time mistakes several times in the last week, including like for podcasts, I've, I've gotten on and been like, okay, ready to go. <laughs> Staring at a blank screen. <laughs> oh, we are ready to go. And we do talk about the NBA. So maybe <laughs> we ought to do a little bit of that. All right. <laughs> anyway, on Tuesday night, I believe the Mavericks were in Denver, got a narrow win. Good win in Denver. Um, Tim Hardaway, who's been playing well lately, had a good game that night. I've been thinking uh, about the Mavericks a bit lately, McMahon. Mm -hmm. your, uh, your team there that you've covered for decades. Decades? More than one decade? Uh, uh, decade and yeah. change. Decade and decades. change. Decades. Yeah. Multiple decades. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting to me. Uh, they're giving me 2000 eight calves vibes mm -hmm. and of course i'm going to default to that because that was my yeah. life back then i covered the calves the calves unexpectedly made the finals in 2007 they were mm -hmm. quote unquote ahead of schedule we saw this last year actually with the atlanta hawks two years ago the hawks kind of they pulled an upset of the 76ers look it was wasn't like the 76ers laid down they took it from them they won game seven in philly they get to the conference finals and it was like, whoa, the Hawks have arrived. And mm -hmm. they really actually hadn't arrived. Um, but they, because they had that success, they kind of got off schedule, so to speak. And it's completely changed the dynamic in that team. And look, Luca was awesome <laughs> against the Suns last year. He beat them. The Suns fell apart. They didn't get it done. And um, the, the, the Mavericks were in the conference finals. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if they were a little off schedule because now it's weird to talk about this because the Mavs just have two good wins. Four good wins, actually. They're, they're, good wins. They, they've gone from dipping under 500 right. to reeling off four wins in a row, uh, two of which Luca was able to, to kick his feet up during the fourth quarter, which obviously is nice given his minutes and usage. Yeah, what was the, the, the win – uh, against the Suns the other night, they, it was the first time they had won a game when he scored less than thirty. Is that right? I believe that to be accurate. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. So and again, yeah, so he got to he got to put his feet up in the fourth quarter, just like he did in Madison Square Garden uh, the previous game. So, right, because they they've really been a terrible road team. They got a they got a good win in Madison Square Garden on Saturday. Um, but I'm watching this team, and you know, they're playing better recently. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, you know, they're in the middle of the pack in the West. Uh, where they're going to be at the end of the season, and what having made the conference finals applies a certain amount of pressure to this year. Cause I just saw Jason Kidd the other day talking about how the team's relying too much on Luca and how he's kind of getting worried about that. Where, where do you think the Mavericks are now that they're without Jalen Brunson and they've struggled to have another piece and I don't know where they're going to get that piece. All right. And so the whole, hey, we're relying too much on Luca is like, yeah, you lost your second best player, your, you know, your number two creator for nothing. And, you know, and that's that happened. Like we've been over that. Uh, Jalen Brunson's not coming back. That's not changing. But it got to a point where they'd lost four straight games. Like Luca was, you know, either running on fumes at times or teams are just forcing like, trapping him way up high on the floor, forcing the ball out of his hand, saying, hey, y'all want to play four on three? We'll take our chances with that. We're cool. It got to a point where, man, they really needed some scoring punch alongside him in the starting lineup. And the fans here were going crazy, calling for Christian Wood. Look, I've said it before. I say again, it's going to take something unforeseen for Jason Kidd to budge on on putting Christian Wood in the starting lineup. Um you know, you mentioned Kidd was sensational in that playoff series against the Suns. So was Brunson, Luka. but I'm sorry, Luca. Kidd had a good playoff series too, but Luca, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> n- never mind Brunson. Two at two other guys who had great um, series were Dorian Finney-Smith and what the hell is this thing? Apple computer's going all wacko. Anyways, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock were phenomenal 3 and D guys playing 40-plus games per night. Um, the threes have been, <laughs> haven't been going down for them, uh, especially for Bullock. I mean, he was he's shooting in the 20s on he, – he literally has not taken a tightly contested three all year. He's shooting in the 20 percentile, you know, 20-some-odd percent. Kid finally pulled the plug on Bullock as a starter, and he plugged in Tim Hardaway Jr. And I'm thinking, man, Hardaway's been stinking up the joint too. Well, lo and behold, uh, you know, called a uh, you know, coaching by the gut or whatever, this thing's panned out. Hardaway's been phenomenal in the last five games. They still somehow managed to lose to Detroit uh, <laughs> with Hardaway lighting it up. Um, when oh by the way, Killian Hayes kicked the Mavericks ass. Then right after Bond him Bond him was just bad mouthing him on this here podcast. Killian Hayes is uh he he's looking like he might be a player. Bond Timps, your apology. Learn how to speak French because you're going to need to apologize in that band. Um, anyways, we'll see about Hard- that. Hardaway in the last four, in this four game winning streak where suddenly oh hey the Mavericks are rolling again. This dude's averaging 25 points. He's made 25 threes over those four games, shooting at like 56% from three. Look, is he going to shoot it at that level? No, but they really need Hardaway to be a, you know, a, a legitimate complimentary scoring threat for this team to have any chance to. And do you think he can do this? 
for a long you know, time. He's I mean, obviously he's not shooting. He's, he's not shooting 56% on threes, but. He's streaky. I do think that he does have a really good feel of playing off of Luca, whether it's, you know, some set plays that are designed to get him looks or just kind of, you know, a feel for respace. And when Luca drives, you know, getting open, uh, I, you know, I, I think offensively uh, with Hardaway in the starting lineup, um, Finney Smith, you know, he had a good game against Denver the other night. He'll, he'll shoot better than he has so far this season. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Christian Wood coming off the bench with some firepower there. I think the Mavericks are going to be fine offensively. To me, the big risk when you plug Hardaway into that starting lineup is that's him, Luca, Dinwiddie. That's three minus defenders in your starting lineup, you know? So that's where I question that. And Luca, Bon Temps, you heard this, I believe, in, in New York. Or maybe it was Boston when he said this. But Luke has taken great pride in becoming a much better defender. He's got this thing. Um, Sean Sweeney, the Mavericks defensive coordinator, Jay Kidd's right-hand man, I, at one point last year told Luca, you're the 450th best defender in the NBA. <laughs> so <laughs> my man Sean uh, and, doesn't miss words. <laughs> no, and and he's got the relationship with Luca where he can talk that kind of trash to him. And you know, it's a it like Truth and jest type of thing, but he was trying to light a fire under his large buttocks. In, fair, in fairness, with the two ways, there's like actually now like 490 guys in the NBA. So Luca going going into late last season, you know, because they did obviously make a massive leap defensively in the second half of last year and ended up uh, top ten, I think seventh overall for the year. But going back to last year and certainly continuing into this year, Luca he'll make a play defensively and he'll run by the bench and be like 125. You know, it, it, it went like it went from like 200 to 175. I don't know how high he might, for all I know, it might be in double figures now. Um, but you know, so Luca is taking a lot of pride on that end. He is among the league leaders in steals and deflections. Obviously, they're always going to put him in a position, um, where he's guarding the fourth or fifth, you know, uh, option and he's, you know, able to be a help defender. He's got good hands. He can see the floor well, defensively instincts, that sort of thing. But wait, if Luca's guarding the fifth option, Hardaway's guarding who? Oh, wait. Yeah. And then wait, Dinwiddie's guarding who? And who? Bullock was the one who would defend point guard. So when you play, if you see Memphis in the first round, who's guarding Ja? Oh, no, you're going to see Steph. Okay, who's guarding Steph Curry? I'm just saying uh, I would have I have some pretty significant defensive concerns with the with the uh new starting lineup. But it's worked so far. Yeah, I just think on from 30,000 feet as I watch the Mavericks and they're playing well right now. So I I don't know. Um I, I'm just wondering how they're going to get better coming off of the conference finals. They've set the bar where they've set it. And they played well this week. I mean, you don't go into Denver and win. Yeah. That's a good win. Um, uh, but I just I'm just wondering. Ultimately, they're gonna need another star player. Yes. I think we can all agree with that. So how do they get that guy? And when do they get that guy? And does making the conference finals last year when they don't, if they don't do that this year? Then it feels like it's a backtrack. Um, 
I'm just I'm just I'm just wondering what their medium term outlook is. Well, I you know, I don't necessarily think success is going to be a linear climb here. Right? Like, look, they were a surprising Western Conference Finals team that then lost its second best player. Um, you know, got hard away back from injury. Traded for Christian Wood, which there's been some moments where that's been a good thing. Some moments where you wonder if he's going to be here after the trade deadline. Um, but to be a bona fide contender, they clearly need a second best player. And, you know, I think the best candidate to eventually be a co-star on this roster is a kid who just got sent back down to the G League because he only gets garbage time in the NBA. That's Jaden Hardy. You know, a rookie who was projected to be a high lottery pick, stunk it up for the Ignite last year. Mavericks get him in the second round. He goes to the G League this year, scoring an efficient 30 per game. But he again, the keyword in that whole thing was eventually. Three, four, five years down the road, maybe he can develop into that guy. That doesn't, that, that doesn't, that's not an answer to your question now. But it's a tough situation because the Porzingis, punning on the Porzingis thing, I think was the right thing for this franchise to do, but also an omission of that huge swing that you took was a strikeout. And you still owe a pick to the Knicks. So how exactly I, I, I think they've got to I think they've got to uh you know get through this year, complete that trade by giving up a, you know the last pick. And then be ready to pounce on the next star that becomes available via trade. Hopefully, a guy who kind of nudges his way and is saying, "Hey, I want to compete for a championship," and playing with Luca would help me do that. And they got to be ready to bundle up. I always say their version of the Drew Holiday trade to bundle up a whole bunch of picks to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you look at where Dallas is at. And you look at the picks that they, like you said, the, the situation they've been in with the Porzingis trade for the past few years, they've been encumbered in terms of their ability to do stuff. You get through this year's draft, they have all their picks going forward. They can, you know, they can hand over the whole, the whole suite of picks. And that that's really what they have to go get, guys. Josh Green has really turned into a nice piece. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Kidd's talking him up a bunch. Um, you know, he's looks like to me a, a long-term starter for them, you know, on the wing. Uh, as a combo forward who could guard and, you know, you talk about a lack of defense. He's, he's becoming a really big time defensive piece for them. A guy who can do a lot of things, but yeah, I mean, if they don't, if they can't swing a trade for this kind of player, if this kind of player comes available, like it is hard to see the path. I mean, mm-hmm. man, you know this, how long have we been waiting for the Mavericks to hit big on a free agent? At least a decade, right? Every year for years, it was, Oh, the Mavs are going to sign this guy. They're going to sign this guy. They're going to sign this guy. They struck Sandy out Andre Jordan. Hey, right. they signed they signed Kimba Walker. I mean, it was a, f- a, a few <laughs> years and a couple buyouts right. after they offered him a max contract. Oh, wait, right. they didn't offer him a max contract because technically nobody was tampering, despite the fact he took a max deal from Boston as free started in four or five days after it was reported that he was taking that deal from Boston and declined the match. Anyways, they got Kimba Walker. They did. <laughs> but they they, you know, they've just they they don't have they they don't have they just don't have the talent to be a real championship contending team. They've got Luca and a bunch of okay players. And like that in the regular season is a formula can get you wins at Phoenix, can get you wins in Denver can like, they're going to be a good regular season team because mm-hmm. Luca is one of the best players in the world. But 
it's not a formula that's going to allow them to be a real championship contending team. And look, like we're starting to hit a point where you start to look at Luca coming up on a potential Supermax extension. You know, we're into his second contract now. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times the past couple of months, McMahon. It's like it's starting to get to the point where you have to start to see what the roadmap is going to be for this team to be a championship contending team. You mentioned the Drew Holiday trade. Giannis signed his Supermax extension when? Right after afterwards. the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday, right? Right. That was, they made that move. They went all in. They had him. By the way, they also had Chris Middleton, who's twice as good as anybody on Dallas's roster right now with Giannis. So then you have all three of those guys. And it's like, all right, here's our team. I'm going to sign up for this now. The Mavericks are two players away from being that in that situation. They don't have their Chris Middleton and they don't have their Drew Holiday right now. So, yeah, they, this is one of the bigger questions, I think, <laughs> in the league going forward is, what are the, how do the Mavericks approach the next couple of years and who is the player or can they find the player that can be that 1A for Luka? Because like you said, McMahon, when they made the Porzingis trade, it was, oh, hey, yeah. the Mavericks are lined up. They've got Luka. They've got Porzingis. Young co-stars for the next decade plus. That's right. Pick, a pick and pop combo, right? Terrific shooting. I mean, Rick Carlisle went on the radio was talking about the, you know, a, a bigger version of Nash and Dirk. Yeah, <laughs> went on the radio no, the but, day the trade was done. I'm, I mean, look, I'm in New York now. I was in, I remember being in New York the day that Porzingis trade was made. And like, obviously everybody here reacted for different reasons, but that was a huge deal at the time. And it looked like, all right, Dallas is set. And, you know, I think, you know, for many reasons, I do think it was the right move for them to move on from him when they did. But like you said, it's also a very clear admission that that move didn't work. And so you're already down one big swing. You maybe only have time for one more really big swing. This is why I talk about, it gives me two Cavs 2008 vibes. Because mm-hmm. the Cavs made the finals in 2007 ahead of schedule, but the big guy that they had on that roster next to LeBron that they wanted to be his running mate was Larry Hughes. And I know that it doesn't exactly compare yeah. to Chris Asporzingis, but that was the guy that they spent a ton of money on. And they realized that Larry Hughes wasn't good enough. So over the next three seasons, they kept trying <laughs> to figure out how do we get that guy in here? They go for... uh Ben Wallace at one point. They go for Shaq. They go for Antoine Jameson. Try to get Amari. They try to get Amari. You know, they tried to get a lot of guys. Couldn't get it. Right. Couldn't get it done, you know. And meanwhile, the rest of the East got better, particularly the mm-hmm. Maverick, or the uh, Magic and the Celtics. And next thing you know, LeBron's like, I'm gone. Now, I don't want to jump to that conclusion. I'm just saying, like, Mavericks can correct that. And the one thing that Dallas has that Cleveland didn't is it's a little bit desirable of a location comparatively speaking. I mean, it's a lot more never... desirable than Cleveland. Come on, Mr. Northeast Ohio. I don't want to and you, you know anybody who wants to go on vacation in Cleveland? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, there's also <laughs> Frankly, no state tax, which is a real thing. Like, there, there's a lot more Look, advantages in Dallas. I know, but they've never on. gotten anybody. Just say I'm not going to sit. What I just I just had dinner with Chandler Parsons the other night. What do you mean they never got anybody? Um, he, he was sitting right next to Mark Cuban who gave him a max contract at the, max at the game nothing. that night. <laughs> Mother bleeper. <laughs> we actually told that story at uh, at dinner. Um, One of the great McMahon did this story about before Chandler Parsons was going to be a free agent. Why don't you? No, this was actually after he. It was about the bromance breakup. This was after he landed in. Uh, after he landed in Memphis for that contract that uh, the, the, the the Grizzlies folks sure are Will glad they gave away. you just please real quick tell away. the story that was in the in that long profile. story short. All right, I'll, I'll tell the I'll tell the, the Cliff Notes version. This is Parsons' second playoff series for the Mavericks, and 
which he played zero seconds in because he'd undergone season and surgery for the second time. And they're, we're up in Oklahoma City. And David Lee was hurt at the time, too. And they go to a club called the Dollhouse, which was uh, not a gentleman's establishment, but like a you know fun burlesque type of bar in Bricktown in, uh, in OKC. And uh, Amy Schumer just uh, done a show there. She comes in with her her crew and everybody's having a good time drinks what a night in okc <laughs> yeah i have you know have, you can have good times up and break down anyways drinks are flowing and, and they're talking trash to each other and it's like a bunch of parsons buddies are there too and they start talking trash about parsons you know he, he had a third year uh 15 million dollars which was max at the time uh Player option. He, everybody knew he was going to decline that with a with a cap soaring, and they start talking trash about the negotiations. And you know, it's like good fun or whatever. Well, at the end of the night, Cuban pays what I believe was a pretty large tab, and uh, he has a, a a a cab coming to pick him up in the in the alley behind the uh, the place. Parsons and his boys jump in the cab, hand the cab you a hundred bucks. And say, take off, you know, like ditch him. Leave Cuban. <laughs> yeah, leave Cuban. So as Cuban's walking out the back door, the cab takes off. Parsons rolls down the window and yells, Max or not the mother. F-. <laughs> <laughs> so, the answer was nothing. <laughs> the answer was nothing. Parsons told me that story the next day at shoot around. I said, I don't know when, but I'm gonna write that at some point. And then when uh, when I told him, hey, I'm writing this whole bromance breakup story, I said, I'm going to use the Max or Nothing story. And his question was, how are you going to get that word in there? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get on this podcast? I remember Cuban telling the story. I'm, putting, I'm, I'm, making, my, I'm making our producer, Jackson, put in some work. That, yeah, yeah, you got to tell the full version with a bleep on that right. one. <laughs> uh, if you pay the ESPN Plus, uh, you can get the uh, unedited. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I remember Cuban telling the story of after winning the uh, title in Miami, he went over to, 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 to live, to live Mm -hmm. in in South beach. And, you know, they were, they were trying to buy magnums and all this kind of stuff. And they succeeded. His black card got denied Mm -hmm. because he had apparently gotten, apparently he switches his cards out regularly and, um, it, he had gotten a new, American Express black card, but he hadn't activated it. And this one was 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 void. And so he just won the title. He wants to celebrate. And his, his credit card got denied. Um, so, but uh, anyway, we're off track. Um, By the way, somebody should write a book about like the pressure that's on an NBA franchise when they draft a prodigy like Luca. Somebody should, should get a book deal on that. Do you know any, an agent, a publisher, Wendy? I do. Actually, all right. All right. <laughs> I think somebody signed to do that book, and it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, the, somebody who spent all from this Wendy. last summer in Slovenia and in other places in Europe. It's in the works, and there's been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that have been interesting in the Mavericks organization. I do still look th- that story is still unfolding. They've got a chance to get it right, uh, and Luca is in year one of his Supermax extension. Matter of fact, my buddy, Joe Trahan, the uh, head honcho at the local ABC affiliate, recently had an interview with Luca, and he asked him about kind of the, the perception of, you know, the worry for fans of, hey, you know, if, if they don't win, Luca might leave. 
And, you know, Luke was like, I wouldn't worry about it. What am I assigned for? Five years? Well, it's four years plus a player option. So not really. Um, But I think they have a two-year window here this season and next season going into that summer. I think they've got a two-year window where, you know, like Milwaukee did with Giannis, I think in that window they really need to convince Luca that he has a chance to contend year in and year out right here in Dallas. If they can't get it done in that two-year window, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to force a trade or ask for a trade. I'm just saying at that point, if he's not happy, he has all the leverage in the world uh, if, if, if he would be looking to leave. I'm also not going to pretend like I know his innermost thoughts um, but I, you know, obviously I'm around this team on a regular basis. I know people who do know Luca well. I don't think Luca will look for reasons to leave. I think he'd be perfectly happy spending his entire career in Dallas. But if he doesn't have to look for reasons and they're slamming him in the face, that's a problem. And he's also a guy who is a ruthless competitor, which means he loves winning. He's used to winning. He won championships with Real Madrid. He's won you know, a championship, Eurobasket championship with the Slovenian national team. He also detests losing, like can't handle it. And it, whether it's cards, ping pong, but especially <laughs> NBA <Beer> games. <laughs> I don't know if he loses a lot in beer pong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I was talking to Vlako Chanchar, his uh, Slovenian national team buddy, and, you know, he was talking about like the vibe with the with their national team and kind of what they're doing. And they're, you know, they play a bunch of cards, they play a bunch of ping pong stuff like that. He says Luca can win 10 straight ping pong games. He loses once and it's like he just like those tantrums, like he just gets so pissed off. Can you imagine so losing with this guy's? What's that? Can you imagine Luca as a tennis player. I've what seen he it. Do to the to the chair official. Oh, he! I didn't stay for Dirk's entire tournament, but so I didn't. I, I don't believe there was any temper tantrums there. By the way, the tournament that Steve Nash won this year, uh, the afternoon before the Nets Open training camp. <laughs> <laughs> which is also pick. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The, the last good day until he got fired um, or <clears throat> mutually decided to leave. But no, so, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of years for the Mavericks. I would not hold your breath for them being able to solve their, you know, their, their number one concern this year simply because of the, the pick they still owe on the KP thing. I just think it's awfully hard to do. Do we have trivia? We do. Okay. Lead, leads, oh boy. Into our, leads into our uh, our next topic. Um, okay. Big shoes uh, to follow after I took over last week. <clears throat> well, let's relax. You, you did you did as minimal work as possible, and as my guy Stats Williams, who gave me this stat, uh, said, you messed up the uh, the stat as you tried to read it off of the Slack machine. So, I then I got it right. All right, butt face. Well, I'm just just pointing out that uh, you got it incorrect. But uh, by the way, as a quick aside, our guy Stats Williams was mentioned in a story that um, our old ESPN colleague Andrew Marshan wrote in the New York Post this week about his longtime girlfriend, Sarah Langs, who um, was diagnosed with ALS at 29. She works for MLB Network. There's been a lot of talk about it, but he wrote a 
remarkable story and our guy stats who we all work with a lot has been going through a lot with that and um you should all take the time to read it she, it's 29 years story. old diagnosed with als which is one of the worst things you could possibly imagine and she's still working she was at the winter meetings in san diego uh working for MLB network covering the signings that all went down the last few days. Yeah, both both she and Matt are two of the nicest and brightest people that you'll meet. So you should take the time to read it. But our guy has a trivia question for the two of you. We'll see how you do with it. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So last week, LeBron became, uh, he moved into sixth all time in assists, passing Magic. He will be mm-hmm. in the top five probably in January. Who was the last player to be in the top five in both points and assists all time? Imply yeah. that he won't, that he's no longer there. Is that what you're I mean, Oscar Robertson would be my f- first guess, but it seems too easy. That is the that is the answer of the first phase of the trivia question. So he oh, was bounced off so, by like I can't well, believe how good on. I am at this. So well, hold on, we'll see how you do on the second part. So stats thought that was going to be two. very. Phase stats two. thought that was stats thought that was going to be very easy. So okay, he had a set. He had a second part of it. There are four players in the shot clock era who have who have been who have qual- have been in the top five in both points and assists. Oscar Robertson is one of them. Who are the other three? Four. In the shot clock era? Like who have fallen and, out of it since then? <laughs> all time? They've yes. been top five all time in both? That surprises me. Yes. <sighs> so Oscar, mercy. obviously, Oscar's obviously the last one to fall out of it. So who are the other three? Was Wilt ever top five in assists? No, he wouldn't no. have been top five in assists. Hmm. Bob Cousy didn't score enough points. Bob Cousy is one of them. Did he? Well, Bob, I guess there was only Bob you. Pettit. I was hoping one of you would guess Bob Pettit, McMahon's favorite all-time great player, but uh, <laughs> Bob Pettit is not one of them. Uh, All right, so we're de- we're dealing with like old well, Chuck it's Taylor guys from era that guys, guys now, from right? that era, guys from that era. Ah, lordy, one of them you are definitely not going to get. One of them you, sh- I think you should. I didn't think you'd get Bob Cousy. All right. Oscar Robertson, Bob. It's a one-man game, by the way. This yeah, is Brian's not, not even. So I'm, I'm dealing with like 50s and 60s. 
not fifties. Well, one guy in the fifties who you're not going to get. And then one guy in the sixties and seventies who you should get. Tiny Archibald didn't. Tiny Archibald was later than that. He was in the seventies jackass. There's one very obvious hint that I, you didn't play in the sixties, buddy. There's one very obvious hint that I would give, but then you will, uh, you will immediately get the answer. Well, help me out because we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, the the guy is the the logo of the league. Oh, Jerry West. I wouldn't have thought he'd be up there in assists, but okay, Jerry, Jerry West. Yeah. Jerry who's West the, is Dolph Shays, who was Dolph Shays. contemporary in the fifties. You were never going to get. So, by the way, JJ Reddick's. Oh, he's the one who's always killing Dolph Shays. He's uh, talking about let him play prime Dolph Shays one on one. So, like well, Dolph Shays has had a, Dolph Shays has got a statue put up for him in uh, in Philly with the for the Sixers, where he was a Hall of Fame player. For the franchise so there you go there's your there's your stats there's your stats how did this, how did this lead to the next topic uh because oh he did it against the suns last week so it goes into talking about the suns oh, i believe seven. it's a it was a winding route to the next topic. it was around it was a roundabout <laughs> <laughs> we got distracted by going through it so the suns have had a rough week um they they were they'd gotten to number one in the west which it it wasn't an impressive climb. They, they just, they've had a lot of stuff that they've dealt with, but Devin Booker was scorching hot um, about a week ago. They got to first in the West. I think he, over the course of four games, he averaged uh, 40 points. Um, DeAndre Ayton was playing the best basketball of his career. Oh, man. So Wednesday night, I want to say maybe the fifth possession of the game for the Celtics. It was early in the first quarter. The score was still in the single digits. Grant Williams gets the ball on the perimeter, drives in, and just slams in to, to uh, De- uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton. Just slams into him, creates a little separation, just throws a hook shot over his hand. And after it goes in, he turns around. And how tall is Grant Williams? 6'5? Yeah. Um, he gives I think they list him at 6'6. Six, six. Oh, did he give him too small? He gave DeAndre Ayton the too small. Like Grant likes to flex mi- and to do that. He likes to do both. Two, it definitely fits in his personality, but it also fit into the personality of that game, which was the Celtics decided to come into Phoenix and let them know that they were the better team. And Chris Paul had been out for almost a month with a leg injury. I'm not exactly a month. Uh, a heel yeah. injury. They said it was a heel injury. I think he was protecting his Achilles, but oh, okay, makes sense. I don't think it was an Achilles injury. I just think he was trying to make sure his Achilles was. Was safe. All I know, all I know is a, all I know is a month ago, Chris Paul claimed to me that it was not a big deal and he was not going to miss much time, and he sat out for an entire well, month. Anyway, he, well, he, he also has, claimed the on, same thing after he shredded his hamstring. And, that's my that's and my point. five of a yes. conference finals once. That's just to that's be clear, he didn't have. I don't think he had an Achilles injury. I think he was just making sure his his leg was okay so that his mm-hmm. Achilles would be okay. Um, and um, you know, uh, Cam Johnson is out. Jay Crowder is in Atlanta and, you know, they've just, they've been dealing with some adversity, but you know, they've gotten (laughs) to a good place and Mm -hmm. they've been slammed. I think three of their last four games, they, they lost to Houston at home. And then like six shots to win it at the end. Yes. They lost by one, I believe in that game. Then I met them in San Antonio and boy, they look good against those Spurs. (laughs) Yeah, then they went to Dallas. Um, so the Spurs should be relegated at this point. Well, I've, I've got a, I've, honestly, I have a simple explanation for what happened here. Okay, 
the, the, the Rockets thing, like, okay, that's a fluke. They come to Dallas. That's the game where Odell Beckham Jr. sat in Jerry Jones' seats, which are right next to the visiting bench. So Odell Beckham Jr., a couple of Cowboys, all pros, you know, Micah Parsons and uh, uh, Diggs. Why am I blanking on Diggs for his name? Trayvon Diggs. And then there was this fourth dude. I didn't know who the hell he was. And, you know, I'm not thinking much of it. And then my 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 wife, the IT department here, she texts me. She's watching the game. And she texts me about, uh, hey, that guy next to her. I didn't even ask her. She brought it up for some reason. You know, that's uh, Chris Jenner's man. That's that's Corey Gamble, Chris Jenner's man. I said, oh, okay. And so then Booker comes over post game, despite the fact that they got their butts kicked, and he's he's chatting them up. You know, he's obviously, I, I guess, an ex boyfriend of uh, of Kendall Jenner. What I'm what I'm getting to in the I'm getting to here, the, the the Suns have been hit with a Kardashian curse, and this has nothing to do with with recent Twitter activity. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> You know, the, the Kardashian curses hit them. They got their asses whooped that night. And then we saw what usually, happened in the next game. It usually works the other way. Not not when you break up and then it goes bad. Usually it's. But no, but then Corey Gamble, who apparently is like a little Kardashian character, he comes over, he's hanging. And it's like all that mojo got back in him. That's what's happened here. That's my analysis. Great job. It's great. Well, it's great done. analysis. Here's my analysis. Um, their defense has been their defense has fallen off a cliff in the last five games. Um, they were a top five defensive team. They were even with all those injuries and all that stuff. And I wrote this piece that came out yesterday before the game about how they and the Celtics had dealt with adversity. Um, they were a top five offense and a top five defense. They were getting it done and um, their defense has fallen off a cliff. They're, they're 20th in the NBA over the last five games. And when you watch them play, Devin Booker has had, uh, you know, as hot as he was, he's kind of gone cold. He had 17 points against um, against the Celtics, one of his lowest outputs of the season, if not the lowest. And uh, when you watch that had, game, he had 11 points the game before that, which oh my god, was his lowest. That. I didn't yeah, even realize so, that. Oh, so man. he's hit, he's hit a rut. He's hit a rut. But go but on. This is what I wanted to talk about. Like every team hits ruts, but when you watch the Suns you feel that they're not that they're that they don't have the resilience well that's not the wrong word they don't have the sort of firepower that you felt them have last year yeah they don't have the talent that's it's yeah. kind of a problem like they're missing they don't the have, guy who's yeah they're missing the guy who started a power forward for him last year and the guy who they decided to start over that guy that that's by, a problem and you know who else they're missing chris paul they're missing yeah, chris paul I, I, because are, the, yeah, since game since game three of the conference finals, the Chris Paul from before is gone. I don't know if it was like a monster situation where they took his powers away for that game or something happened or what. He was terrible. The back half of that series. He's coming to this season. He's been pretty terrible across the board. Mm -hmm. He's scoring under and, 10 points a game. Right. And under 40 percent from. Right. He's but even when he's played, forget forget the time he was out. He's shooting under 40 percent from the field. He's scoring under 10 points a game. He has no real ability to get his own shot anymore. If that, if the Chris Paul from the past couple of years doesn't come back, like it doesn't, the rest of this stuff yeah. doesn't matter. The Jay Crowder thing doesn't matter. The other stuff doesn't matter because this team is just not good enough. Like that was where it all, you know, he had the great series against New Orleans. He got him through that series when they're dealing with 
Um, you know, I think Devin had a hamstring injury, if I remember right, against New Orleans, That's missed right. some time. Yeah. He mm-hmm. comes back, and like ever since game three of that that series against Dallas, he hasn't been the same player. And that, like, that's the bottom line. Like, yeah, you look at their team. They don't have the firepower. Their two power forwards are out. Chris Paul is not right. Their bench isn't very good to begin with. Like, they, they got and, and by you, a smoke and mirrors this year to this point to be the, the best thing, team in like, the West, but they're just Aiden, not that good. Aiden plays, like, out of every three games, that's not a true three games, but you, know, you take a three-game sample at Aiden. One game, he's an absolute monster. One game, you're like, okay, he played good. And one game, he's, like, not that great. And so... That that inconsistency with Aiton shows up more when their de- when their talent is down elsewhere. And Mikael Bridges, I am a big believer in him having more to give, but he doesn't do it on a night to night basis. So you really feel how more fragile they are. You they, you just look at them and you feel like they're a more fragile team this year than they were last year. Now look, they are still second as of right now. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans moved ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Second tie with the Grizzlies now. Yeah, so it's not like you know they have a they have they have a good week followed <laughs> after this bad week. They're right back there, but just on balance, when you look at like last year, you watched them play and you were like, "That is a championship contender." It didn't turn out that way. Right, they were great on the road. They were great defensively. They were great in the clutch. Like they checked every box. Well, Booker right, was an All NBA player, uh, Chris Paul, All NBA player. You're not a, you're not afraid of them right now. Well, and look, we talked Grant about Williams it. comes in there and sons DeAndre Ayton two minutes into the game. Yeah, well, we talked about it a lot last year, right? When you win a ton of games in the clutch, like A, it's a sign that you like, obviously, it, it means that you're effective in those situations. It also means you're in a lot of close games that can go either way, right? And at some point, it's probably going to regress back the other way to some degree. So obviously, that that's a bit of a fickle thing. And on top of that, like you mentioned, DeAndre Ayton sort of, you know, bouncing in and out of being a uh, of having a bigger role with that team campaign is averaging more shots per game than Deandre Ayton. Like Deandre Ayton is fourth on the team in shots per game. Now it's 11.9 for bridges, 11.8 or 10.8 for cam and then 11.7 for Deandre Ayton. So they're all about the same, but Deandre Ayton shooting 62% and he's taking the fourth most shots on the team. Like with all these injuries, if he, you know, if he was going to take a step forward and be a 22 to 25 point player instead of a 16 point player, this would be the time to do it. So he's a good player. To your, to your point, but he's probably uh, Jackson, not going to do that. Jackson, our producer, tells us the Suns are two and five in games decided by three points or less. Yeah, I mean, you it's know, just last they, year it's, they were like uh, they were like they were eleven hundred and, 0. and <laughs> right. They were like eleven hundred and six two and zero in I their think. first five games. So decided by three points or less. Yeah, yeah, and they're still a really good team. Devin Booker's taken massive steps forward. He's a bona fide MVP candidate. Like Monty Williams is a great coach. They have a great system there like they're going to win a lot of regular season games but it's sort of a similar thing to Dallas like you look at their roster they're better than Dallas talent wise but if Chris Paul doesn't make that return back to where he was and if they don't add more to this team either in terms of another big time player or some more help off the bench you just look at the other teams they're trying to go up against and like look at Boston last night you stack Boston's talent up next to Phoenix's they're just not as not good. Close. And, you know, the other thing, you worry about, like, the workload on Booker, just like you worry about the workload on Luka, you know? And, hey, Booker went through, or he's in the midst right now of his his first little slump of the season. Well, before these three games, when it's been three straight blowouts, one when they beat what's uh, left of the San Antonio Spurs, 
then got their butts kicked in Dallas, butts kicked at home by Boston. Before that, I believe he was leading the league in minutes, plus having to, you know, basically he's been their point guard. Like campaign plays some point, but Devin Booker has been their primary offensive initiator, the guy bringing the ball up the floor for most of the month that Chris Paul missed. So, you know, I know he's he's 26, I believe, you know, just early in his prime. And but dude, you can't you can't expect a guy to carry that kind of workload leading the league in minutes every single night and not have fatigue be a factor. And I, I think he's probably dealing with a little bit of that. I think Macau Bridges, whose minutes are also you know sky oh high up, up near the top of the Bridges league, he's dealing with that because plays and plays right, and never he's misses never a missed game. a game. And yep. he's always guarding the other team's best player. Um, you know, he's not as much of an offensive initiator, but he's what they're, I believe they're third leading score, but you know, he's just, he's working his butt off on the other end. So, you know, when you have a lack of depth, you know, before the injuries, then you pile the injuries on, like, you know, even though, even though these guys are young, like it's, you're taking risks there. Yeah. So. I don't know. I feel like in 10 days we could be doing another pod. We're like, man, the Suns have been great the last week. Chris Paul's back, but he hasn't been back. Um, yeah. You know, they need him. They need him. And, uh, and what's crazy is he can still, he can go out there hobbling around, you know, looking his age and he's averaging nine and a half assists with few turnovers. And, you know, he can still, you know, do some yeah, things. Not, like, geez. Yeah. But he, but yeah, he's just, he's a total non threat as a scorer at, at this season, he's been but a team that, threat. He's still a benefit. He still does things that benefit your team to your point, McMahon. But like you said, the, the bigger issue is on a team that already was a little suspect in terms of having enough firepower. If he's out there and is only basically a catch and shoot guy, like, or but he's know, not get, a catch and shoot guy he's shooting 27% from three. And right, he's a right teams are putting a bullseye on him defensively. Well, that's the other problem too. Like he's just, you know, he just looks, he looks old. Finally. He finally looks like an old player after years of being a metronome. You know, he finally looks like he's old. You already know about the low post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective, this show right here. But have you listened to the CJ McCollum show where every week New Orleans Pelican star CJ McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor? That's the CJ McCollum show. Listen, where you're listening to this podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. By the way, the team that, that just passed them to be in first place in the West, the Pelicans, let me give you the last five Zion Williamson games. Oh, boy. 
23 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, 33 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, 30 points, 15 rebounds, eight assists. That was at San Antonio. Nonetheless, uh, 22 points. potential assists in that game, by the way, easily should have had a triple double. Um, you were at that game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, Denver, 25 points, six rebounds, four assists, Detroit, you know, Detroit, 29, 10 and five. Give me uh, the free just, throw attempts in those five games. Cause I think this is an important stat. Well, the, the one you just had one, but the last four, 12, 13, 11, 11. Also, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you he's shooting. He's always been a high percentage shooter, but in the last like seven games, I'm just eyeballing it here. Mm-hmm. He's got to be shooting close to 70% in his last seven games. Yeah. Trey Murphy, the third, uh, who's a, a, a really good young shooter for the Pelicans. Um, he told a story after that Spurs game where Zion's on the free throw line, which he was a lot that night. And one of the Spurs says to his teammate, he says, bro, you know, keep, keep him from going left. And the other Spur replied, bro, I'm trying. It ain't easy. Like the guy is in shape, explosive, and whoo boy, is he is he playing well right now? You watch his um you watch his highlights and he goes left like every time. He does occasionally go right. He he can handle the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm giving you those assist totals. They're putting the ball more in his hands like they did before yeah. he got hurt. Point Zion is but, back. Yeah. He, um he, by the way, also, I'm going to, you know, Bontemps has long talked about how his defensive playmaking at Duke it's was back. breathtaking. We forget about that. Mm-hmm. Let me give you blocks last five games, mm-hmm. three, two, one, one, one. So he's got, um, he's averaging basically almost two blocks steals. He's got last seven games. He looks like he's averaging about almost two steals a game. He had, a, he had one game where he had uh, five assists, four steals, and two blocks. Uh, He had a block against San Antonio. I don't remember who it was against, but it looked like a volleyball spike. I mean, just went up and spiked that thing in like the fourth row. It hit an empty seat. There was a bunch of them. They blew the Raptors out. Just listen to the stat line he had against the Raptors. 12 of 15 shooting, 9 of 12 from the line, 10 rebounds, five assists, two blocks, 33 points, plus 19. I mean, good golly. Uh, this is the Zion they've been waiting for. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's become a good defender again, but he's become more of a playmaking defender. And they now have, and this is to me, one of the most surprising stats of the, of the uh, year in the NBA at this point. Mm-hmm. The Wallace Pelicans are third in the NBA in defense. Wow. Uh, wow. And first in the West. Um. And Zion's uh, a big reason, um, a big factor. I mean, le- I mean, let's let's settle down with that. Let's settle down with he's a big factor. You don't think he's a big factor? He's had being first. Hey, hold on, hold on. We we've got to no. come up with like a little thing for like the urine soaked wet blanket because he, <laughs> here he comes, just cold, no, and stinky, no. Well, uncomfortable. No. Here comes Bontis, the urine-soaked wet blanket. I've just been listening to you guys just extol how Zion has become a world-class defensive player. He's had a really that, good. He's had a real. Hold on, he's had a he's had a good couple of weeks on defense. Like I I need to see a little more 
than 12 days before I say he's a big factor in whether I thought you were going to say he's a big factor in why they're third in the league in defense. I don't believe that to be the case. I think he he's has a big made, factor why they're first in the Western Conference. That's yes, I that think. that I agree with. I I'm just saying to me, the whole the whole key with the Pelicans, we know they're going to be a good offensive team, right? Zion is obviously when he's healthy and he's been healthy this year. To me, the biggest thing is 19 games played. Let's see, keep seeing that game number go up. Like mm-hmm. we all want to see him on the court. Obviously, with him, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, their offense is going to be really good. If their defense remains in the top five or even in the top 10, like, yeah, you can look at this team like a legitimate, you know, contender to get out of the West. I mean, you look at their numbers right now, they're sixth in offense, third in defense, third in net rating. At least going into um, last night's games. I haven't looked at it this afternoon. That That's a, you know, championship caliber mm-hmm. rankings across the board. But I do need, I need to see those numbers stay there for longer. And they've had some benefit in scheduling too. Like they beat Golden State by like 60. And, uh, you know, they, both games in Golden State or they played Golden State at home. The Warriors sat all their players. They just played the Spurs and Pistons in this last stretch um, when they've gotten on this hot streak of late. So, like, we'll see how it goes over the course of the year. But look, New Orleans is first in the West. Zion is playing. They've had some other, you know, Brandon Ingram's missed some time. They've had guys in and out of the lineup. You got to feel great if you're the Pelicans where you're at a third of the way through the season. And if Zion could continue to make plays defensively and take the step forward that he has the last couple weeks for another couple months, like this team, especially in a Western Conference, it's absolutely wide open. We just talked about Phoenix not being that great. You got to start to look at them at that point as a team that could legitimately be a top two or three seed. They could legitimately be seen as a favorite to get out of the conference and, you know, if you'd said to the Pelicans, you're going to be a top four seed potentially before the season, they would have ran with that. They would have been absolutely thrilled. So, yeah, I think you got to be thrilled about the way they start if you're somebody with New Orleans. Let me let me give you another number, you hot breath hater. Uh, Zion Williamson, mm-hmm. when he is on the floor this season, this season, not the last two weeks, like you acting like this is just something that's a fluke, a little, you know, like it'll it'll come and go like a cold. When he's on the Florida season, their defensive rating is 104.2. Yeah. Okay. He, he's been a plus on the defensive end this season. Now he's I, not he's not okay. guarding the other team's best player, but he's been active. You've asked him, hey, can we see the playmaking you saw at Duke? You are seeing that. They yeah. are a dominant defensive team when him on the floor. And there's only two rotation players who have lower defensive ratings or better defensive ratings on the Pelicans than Zion. Dyson Daniels, Jose Alvarado. Those are two guys, they are in the rotation because of defense. Now, the other thing that's really encouraging about that is these are guys who, one's a rookie, one's a second-year guy. They've got a chance to be there for a long, long time alongside Zion. By the way, one other crazy stat real quick. You mentioned Ingram is Ingram's only played 15 games. Ingram's missed a bunch of time. Um, when Ingram's on the floor, their offensive rating is 121.8, aka better than the Boston Celtics, who have the best offense in NBA history right now. I'll I'll just say if you ask the Pelicans, I don't think they would say Zion has been a plus defensive player all year. That's what I would say. If he well, plays, I know like, this. They don't plays, give up a lot of points when he's on the floor, you hey, doofus. Hey, that's a, you can, that's usually a good a good sign. Okay? okay, especially when he's blocking shots, he's getting deflections, he's getting steals. Yes, he's been doing that the past two weeks. 
I just want to see him do that for longer. That's all. The best is, you know, um, he comes in. I don't know if he does this every night, but he, he, um, uh, one night, uh, Will Guillory who covers the team for the athletic. This is about maybe three, four weeks ago asked Zion. It was a bad night for Zion defensively that night. And he, he asked Zion to grade his own defense and, um, with a letter grade and Zion asked back, well, what would, what would you give me? Is it <laughs> on defense? So Zion has been coming in and asking the media to grade his defense. At least mm-hmm. he's done it multiple times. Since he's done that, his defense has been improving. <laughs> so I don't. I know there's it's multifaceted, but when you get when you're going to ask for a grade publicly after games, you know it, it may improve your, uh, hey, your listen, motivation. If he's, he's going to keep averaging 1.8 steals and over a block a game going forward, the Pelicans are going to be in great shape. Like if, it, all he has, he just has to be. He, he's in obviously. Much, much, much better shape than he than he's been in. He just has to be engaged. You know, Jason Kidd challenges Luca. Participate. He has to participate because they can really. You know, I mentioned Alvarado and Daniels. I didn't even mention Herb Jones, who's you know in his second year is already like a all defense type of player. I mean, they've got a really, really, really good young defensive core to complement the, these guys that are scorers. All right, before we go, I'm a little bit afraid to talk about the Heat because they're playing the Clippers tonight at home, and we have a way of jinxing players and also um, saying stuff about teams, and then they, you know, by the time it publishes everything, I don't know different. if I don't know if we, I don't know if we is the the way to attribute that. Let's <laughs> say know, ever since the 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 Hoop Collective column has started appearing on Tuesdays, Brian has weekly jinxed something. It's just a matter of what it is. <laughs> anyway, um, the Heater. 11 and 14 right now they played the Clippers. Maybe they'll have the greatest game in recent heat history tonight, but um, they've been banged up. Jimmy Butler has been in and out. Um, Tyler hero has been in and out. Bam Adebayo has been up and down. You know, they're always playing different lineups, but Bontemps, you wrote a little thing in the hoop collective column this week. You caught them in Boston last week when they, when they beat the Celtics, great performance in Boston signature win of the season. And they were kind of beating their chest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then they subsequently went out and lost to Memphis, who was missing their top, f- arguably their top four players. By the way, speaking of Memphis, the Grizzlies, like at midnight on uh, Wednesday night, put out a Desmond Bain injury update and announced he was going to be out at least another month. So right. another three or four weeks, but yeah. Three or four weeks before there would be an update. They didn't say three or four weeks before. No, three or four weeks. And if he progresses, he's projected to return. Okay. You're right. Anyway, he's not going to be out out past Christmas. Anyway, they lost that game in Memphis. And then they came home to Detroit and lost that game. Um, Mm. But Bontemps, you talked to them and, and like you had the quote in the story. Spolster was like, forget about our record. We're, we're, you know, we're fine. We're, we're good. We're doing great. And everybody's like, you're not doing great. You know, the, you know, it's rare that Pat Riley takes heat, so to speak. And the heat fans are, are going for the heat front office for not improving the roster in the off season. Although again, I still think they've been banged up more than anything. And it's not like PJ Tucker, who they just wouldn't go to the same amount of money on, on uh, for, 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 for as Philly. It's not like PJ Tucker's lighting up the league. That's the, the central guy that they lost. Um 
but you know, Bontemps, you you just saw them. You know, they're they they are as confident as ever, regardless of of where they're at. You know, coming off the conference finals and in right now in tenth place. Well, it, they're a weird team because I, I think if you look at like I've got their lineups here in front of me. So their most used lineup played 120 minutes. It's plus 7.4 per 100. Second most used lineup is plus 12. The third most used lineup is plus 30.6. The fourth is plus 10.6. Like those are all lineups that have played 50 or more minutes. Mm -hmm. So like when their guys are healthy, they have been pretty good. A big part of why they haven't been good is Jimmy Butler missed a bunch of time. They had Kyle Lowry playing the most minutes in the league because he was playing with everybody out for about a week and they got, they lost four or five games in a row by a couple they're of points. Sitting, they're sitting Lowry tonight. Right. He's right. He's having a rest game for yeah. the first miss first game. He's yeah. missed all season. I mean, he's been much yeah. better than he was last year. He was dealing with some personal stuff over the second half of last year. Then he had some injuries. He's been much better. So I, I do think they're going to be better. And I think if you look at, you got Boston and Phil or Milwaukee way ahead of the field in the East and in the league, frankly. And then you've mm -hmm. got a whole bunch of teams that on a given night, are good, but are flawed. Cleveland, Philly, Toronto, Miami, you know, throw, you know, you want to try to throw Atlanta in there. Maybe you could maybe well, just, just look at the standings, the right you know, as of this moment. Okay. The bulls are in 12th. They're 10 and 14, Washington, 11 and 14, Miami, 11 and 14, New York, 12 and 13, Philly, 12 and 12, Toronto, 13 and 12, Indiana, 13 and 12, Atlanta, 13 and 12, Brooklyn, 14 and 12. So just in the loss column, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams within two games of each other in the loss column. So right. I, I guess think Cleveland, you're, heat, you're like, well, then there's a gap and then Cleveland's kind of alone. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Cleveland's on a, they're a totally separate. They're much more good than flawed. Right. But no, they are, but they, yeah, they, they also had, off on temps, but yeah. like, the heat have a good week and a half and they could be in, in fourth. Well, and that's, that's what they're, that's why they feel confident, right? Like it's weird. Like I said, if you take out Boston and Milwaukee, cause they're just in their own class in the league, you take the top eight or nine teams in the West, the next several teams in the East. I think if you put them all in a hat, you have them play on a given day. It doesn't, it's kind of a toss up. And if you're a team like the heat, who's had all these injuries, who's struggled so far, like you said, you look at it, you're two games out of fourth. It's like, all right, like we're going to be fine when our guys are healthy. We can play with Boston. We can win against anybody. Now they are dealing with Jimmy Butler, who's older and regularly misses games. Kyle Lowry is in his mid to late thirties. He's already played the most minutes in the league. Tyler hero has been banged up and in and out of the lineup. You know, bam plays a physical style. Bam out of bio. He's going to miss a little bit of time here and there. So like, you do have some potential injury issues there. They're hoping Victor Oladipo could give him something. He finally played for the first time this year, this week. So there are a lot of ifs with the heat, but you know, I can see why they would look at it and say, Hey, we could be just as good as anybody when we get healthy. I think the better question, and it goes along with Phoenix and Dallas is it still feels like this team is a player too short of being where they need to be in terms of competing for a title. And I'm not sure how they're going to get that kind of player. You know, they're in sort of the same boat that um, that those teams are. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on them, McMahon? Uh, I don't think Wendy liked what you had to say because he got up and exited the conversation. I was trying to I was trying to expertly vamp, but you, of course, Sorry. you, of course, derailed it. Sorry, I had a little, little in, in house uh, issue I had to deal with. <laughs> I suspect I know what that was. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't blame the Heat for having confidence. Like, look, Jimmy Butler's always going to feel like he's got a chance. 
uh, to contend, but um, probably needs some, a little bit more showing and and before I am willing to listen to much more telling out of them. Right. Well, by the way, in that in that game in Boston on Friday, it was Jimmy Butler who was like, "I'm going to win yeah. this game," and did. Like he, yeah, he when he, he is good, he came he's still back as good as he, literally anybody. Yeah, he came back and basically announced like, "I'm still one of the best players in the NBA." Um, but you know, I. I don't think, though, that the the Heat are anywhere near the conversation of being a contender in the East. I think there's three tiers of playoff teams in the East. You know, Bucks, Celtics, Celtics, Bucks right now. Second tier is the Cavs. Third tier is everyone else. And you know, the Heat are are, are just somewhere stuck with everyone else. And I don't think everyone else has a, a real chance to come out of that conference. I, I, I think wonder, there's two teams that have a chance to come out of it, period. But, you know. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I think the Heat are in a bit of a transition spot here. Their team is older. Mm-hmm. You know, at least Butler and Lowry are older. And they are, because they're Miami, they're always – not on the front burner, but in the back yeah. of their their folder and their binder, they're always looking at who might potentially become available, who may well, want to live and, in and, and whoever's always, you know, whoever potentially becomes available, guess what? Goes, oh, that guy loves Miami. You know, right. I've you know, how many how many stars around the league have you heard? Oh man, that guy loves they all but, love my who doesn't? They all love Miami. Right. And but over the decades, they've gotten those, they've you know, they exactly. have exactly they've, they've, they've gotten a lot of them. So got a lot of them. You know, like including Jimmy Butler. They got within obviously a basket of being in the finals last year. They'll hang around there, but like I'm not I'm not if I'm a Heat fan and I'm frustrated about this season, I would just say just chill. Just chill. Jimmy will be playing when it matters. They'll be th- they'll be a threat when it matters. Maybe they have a run this year. Maybe they don't. But they're not gonna like put a first round pick into a deal to trade Duncan Robinson. Yeah. To maybe fight their way a spot <laughs> or two ahead in the rotation. They're gonna save their their uh, options for when they have they can go get somebody. And I'm. You know, I know that if something goes sideways, you know, the Nets are playing well right now. They, yeah. They're on this long homestand. They're winning games. So the pressure is off them a little bit. But that's who everybody's watching. What happens with Brooklyn? And I'm not saying that they would go all in on that situation. But I just think when it comes to the Heat making significant moves to their roster, they always have to be mindful that they don't want to close any doors. And they typically right. are mindful. Um, they typically have themselves in position. So they know they've got a, a, a chance, a team, and they'll try to maximize what they have. But because I just I just see people just like I like I saw like Pat Riley was trending today. And I was like, why is Pat Riley trending? And it's all these Heat fans ripping the Heat's front office for he, he hasn't he hasn't earned just a little bit of uh well, benefit of the doubt. Right. <laughs> oh my god. I would just say, like, I did think that they were a little chesty after that win. I mean, granted, um, uh, 
they, they definitely really... were. They definitely were chesty. Like they were like, yeah. hey, we're healthy. We're going to be good. And then they proceeded yeah. to yeah. have a, you know, a terrible two games in a row. And just, then they lost to the Memphis hustle hustle and the uh, Detroit Pistons. This just the, the window, the window curse just took them down. Just absolutely took them down. This will be the reverse. Now I'll say this. Uh, by the way, uh, we'll see what Kawhi does tonight. Kawhi has not looked great. His, here we go. I've just done it. Yeah, ain't playing. Back to He's back, come on, man. No, it wasn't a. It was it last night? It felt like two nights ago. The game in Charlotte, he was four of fifteen, and he just didn't. He didn't look like himself. Which okay, he's coming off knee surgery and, and a sprained ankle. But um, anyway, that's another topic for another day. Uh, yeah, all right, thank you. Will not play in the second of a back-to-back tonight, as expected. Ohm says, as expected. Wendy oh, was, the, was the Charlotte game last night? In my head, it felt like two nights ago. No, it was the Orlando game was last night when they the lost Orlando. to the Magic in OT. Things are going great watching, with the Clippers. I'm watching. I can't keep it all straight. They he won in Charlotte. He they, he he had a jumper that won the game in Charlotte. Last night was in Orlando. They needed a last second. They needed a last second shot to beat a horrendous Charlotte team, and then they had their guys playing and lost it. to a horrendous Orlando team in in the next game. And now he's not in playing. overtime. They went to overtime with Orlando, and not and great. He was four four. I think he was four fifty. Okay, that was last night. All right, thank you. Listen to the Collective Podcast. I need to go lay down. Thank you, McMahon and Bontemps. Thank you to Jackson and Bruce, our producers. We will talk to you next week. What day is it? Uh, adios, amigos. Strapo will be out next week. Big week. What? What? Big week. Oh, man. What? Adios, amigos. And I'll see you next week, jackasses. Strapo. <laughs>